right, guys, we're back on the foul score. And with us tonight is another Carolina Tar Heel. He played from uh, 96 to, to the 2000 year. He had some great teammates when he played with Jameson, played with Carter. Of course, he played with Coach Smith. Uh, just want to talk to him tonight about his experiences at Carolina because he was with some great teams, too. With me tonight is Mr. Terrence Newby. Welcome to the show, Mr. Newby. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, th thank you for being on here with us. Uh, so, growing up, you're a basketball fan. Who'd you pull for? Were you a Carolina fan when you were growing up? Yeah, I definitely was, and so was my mom, too. So, for me, um, I think my – I started watching games. I was probably about five or six years old. Uh-huh. So, my first real team that I really remember watching was um, Kenny Smith's freshman year with, with him and Michael Jordan in the backcourt together. Oh, yeah. So, that's how long it, it's been for me. Yeah, you, you talk about your mom. My mom is a diehard Carolina fan as well. She uh, – sure. That that was where it was bred into me. I think the first team I remember is probably a, a couple years before that, the the '82 national championship team with Jordan Worthy. Uh, I remember actually getting to stay up and watch that game that night. Man, what a game that was! Uh, right. So, any other sports? But you were a three sports star in high school, right? At Jordan Matthews. Yeah, I was. Um, I played football, basketball, and baseball in high school. I had um, offers from Division One schools in all three sports. Wow. But that, basketball just stuck out for me for some reason. So you, you, did, you have a, did you have a point that you knew that basketball was going to be your, what you picked? Was there, was there a, a moment where you said, you know, this is what I got to do, this is what basketball is for me, or was it just your favorite sport? Um, it was both. Um, like for me, I knew probably when I was in the 10th grade that, that's what I wanted to do in college. Uh -huh. But like I said, as far as the success is where I was having the, that's where I was having the most success that was in basketball at the time. Okay. So what are, what other schools, you talk about these schools that were, that were after you in other sports, what other schools besides Carolina had made you offers for uh, basketball? Um, I had offers from Virginia Tech, Tennessee, Kent State, um, UFC Charlotte, Old Dominion, um, Wake Forest, wow, and Clemson. So you had you had plenty of choices out there. I'm going to ask you yeah. this anyway. I think I know what the answer is. But <clears throat> what made you pick UNC? Um, for me, it was it was like a, one of those things you got on the bucket list. I wanted to. That's that was a dream. Like me and my cousin used to. Tear up my mom's clothes hangers and hang them on the door and play one on one. I used to always tell him that that's where I wanted to go. So if you've ever meet him asking that, he'll tell you that same story because this that was like I said, it was just a dream come true for me. So when that recruiting process started and the first time I seen Coach Guppers watching me play was that's when I knew it, it could happen. I I wasn't even sure which was I think I was in eleventh grade the first time he seen me play. Wow. Uh, so what were your first impressions of, of Carolina when you got there? I mean, it was everything that I had seen and read upon, like, <laughs> from, you know, all my life as far as the family atmosphere, just the way that Coach Smith and Coach Guppies ran things as far as the program goes. It was A1, top-notch, you know, something you want to be a part of. 
and it was everything that it was, that it was supposed to be. Yeah, so playing for Coach Smith, you know, a legend like Coach Smith, when you get there, what was it like playing for Coach Smith? I know you had him uh, what, a, for one year or two years. For one year, and then he retired, like, right in the middle of our preseason getting started in, on my sophomore year, so right. he didn't even get the coaches that year. But honestly, the first time I met him, man, I was, like, I was a nervous wreck. I really was. I was <laughs> like, you know, the guy that I grew up watching on TV and, we call him Michelangelo, sitting in my in my gym at my high school, and then at my at my house. He came to my grandmother's house, so it was I don't know, man. I was, it was, that's the only time I think I've been starstruck in my life. <laughs> well, that's that's for good reason there. I think I would have been the same way if I'd ever met him. Uh, so yeah. you, your freshman year, you you guys, and I, I ask a lot of these guys this: just just getting into that Carolina <laughs> uniform for that first game. What was it like going out there that first game in a Carolina uniform? Man, I had chills. Like, you ever <laughs> been somewhere and you hear somebody sing that can really sing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you, like your hands stand up on your arms. Like, that's how it was for me the first time coming out of that tunnel was, like, it was crazy. Just for, even for the blue-white game, the atmosphere was phenomenal. And mind you, I played in there twice before in state championship games in high school, junior and senior year, but. It wasn't the same coming out of that tunnel and hearing that fight song and hear those twenty three thousand people stand up screaming like that was it was nothing else like that. Yeah, I, I can imagine that. That was a big difference playing as a Tar Heel there than playing in high school. So uh Absolutely. talk about one of your teammates there, uh that went on to have a legendary uh NBA career. Antoine Jameson. what was it like playing yeah. with Antoine? Hey. Um, Paul was like, he's kind of those guy, like I said, I had met Antoine in high school, but actually getting to play with him, and, and you know, I think Vince had a little bit more hype coming out in the, of that recruiting class, but Yeah, Paul's work ethic was just something, you know, that some people just didn't have, he had it from day one, like, if you watch him play, how he played as a freshman, and the way he went on playing the NBA, you can see the work that he put in, that's just how it was, even in pickup games, his intensity was with nobody matching his intensity. Play hard every single possession. I don't care if it was in practice, games, scrimmage, whatever it was. If you was having a start one or whatever that was, you had you had your work cut out for you because he never stops moving ever. And the quickest second jump of anybody I've ever seen in my life. And then, like I said, the work ethic and his intensity was it was just contagious throughout the team. Just following his lead. Yeah, and, and like you said, with that recruiting class come through, all you heard about was Vince Carter, and Jameson really wasn't talked about, but from the start, that guy was, you know, really, it was great. I mean, you, you were like, where did this kid come from? And, uh, you know, he right. had, had just a stellar career at Carolina and in the NBA. What was it like being, I, I mean, I know you grew up a Carolina fan, so you knew all about the ACC rivalries, how how intense the ACC could be. <laughs> What was it like being actually a part of that ACC basketball? You're playing, when you get into conference play, you're playing some of the top teams in the country like every night. And it, and in right. the ACC, any given night, anybody could win. Yeah, and that's the crazy thing about it. Like my freshman year was, I'm, I'm not sure if you remember, but we started off 0-3 in the conference days. And our very first game was against the great Tim Duncan at Wake Forest, at Wake Forest. <laughs> And when I tell you, like, I've never seen anything like that. That dude just dominated the game on both ends of the floor. And, I mean, he couldn't jump. 
five inches off the ground. He wasn't the fastest, wasn't the quickest, wasn't the strongest, but I never seen anybody have footwork like that and on both ends of the floor just dominate games. And not that he went out and gave us forty or nothing. I mean, he had like twenty four points, but it was you knew every single bucket that he got, every block that he got, it was a reaction in that building that night. So it was that was my very first ACC experience was dealing with Duncan. Yeah, you guys lost eighty-one fifty-seven. Like you said, you're going to lose to Maryland, Virginia. But yep. you kind of, you, you guys are kind of feeling your way, and and, and and you know they all they all talk about hitting your stride at the right time, getting hot at the right time. You guys got hot at the right time at the end of the year. You reel off twelve in a row. Uh, talk a little bit about beating Duke. I mean, you lost to them at Cameron, but then when you go on that win streak, the last game of the season at at Chapel Hill, you beat Duke. Talk a little bit about that Duke rivalry. I mean, it's, it's exactly what it is. Like, and the crazy part about that rivalry is, like, it's not really so much the players, it's the fans the that fans. really make it what it is. Because, believe it or not, some of those guys on those teams that we played pick up together all summer. Some yeah. leagues and you know, St. All back in the day that everybody might be pairing up with somebody from Duke. You might be on the same team. So you have relationships with those guys off the court. But that rivalry is, I don't care about the Yankees, Red Sox, Texas, Oklahoma, all that stuff. Nothing is better than that blue blood right there, two schools eight miles apart. With the history that both of them have, like it's it's unmatched in any sport, in my opinion. Yeah. But us getting on that street like that and coming back and you know beating them on our senior night with for Surge and Charlie Minnery and Webb Tindall, those guys, it was oh man, that was one of the best ones ever to finish that year off the way it started. Yeah, because you guys really got hot. You end up beating Mr. Duncan and and Wake twice, once in the ACC tournament. Yeah. Then you go up in the in the, what was it like getting to the turn that ACC tournament for the first time the Greensboro Coliseum where you'd watch so many ACC tournaments played and now you're a part of it. Yeah, and growing up in North Carolina, I don't know how it was for you in high school, but they used to sometimes let us watch the games during school. Oh yeah, so we, we, we class you had you walk in, yeah, twelve <laughs> yeah, o'clock. Yeah, out there whenever you're like, oh man, you know what time it is. So they actually had that experience, and then again, our first game was. We had to deal with Mr. Duncan, and that's one of those things where I say what separates Coach Smith from a lot of coaches is his adjustments, whether in-game, before-game, at time. We had to the point where we knew we really couldn't do nothing with him, so we just cut everybody else off. So we wasn't really helping off of their shooters. They wanted him to get going, keeping guys out of the lane that could only penetrate. And he comes out those first two possessions, he hit two threes back-to-back. I'm like, what in the world? Like, there's anything he can't do. I had never seen him do that before. I mean, he had two in a row. So I'm looking, I'm like, man, we really going to play him one-on-one all night? Like, how's this going to work? But what happened was, it really worked because I think he ended up with like 32 points, something like that. But I don't know if anybody else got double kicks, and we beat him pretty good. Yeah, you so that's another time I thought to myself, like, this man knows what he's doing. There's a reason why they call him what they call him. So, you know, it was just fun to sit back and watch some of that stuff go on, too, as far as learning the game and watching how things play out with game plans and adjustments that have to be made. Yeah, you end up you end up beating them by thirteen. So, and then you go up against a short right. state team that year that had had uh, had the Cinderella look, and you guys dealt with that. Mm-hmm. Got the win by ten or there. Then you get in the NCAA tournament, you get to the big dance, and you know I know that had to be a big thrill for you. Get to the big dance, and you guys are playing in Winston Salem, and that mm-hmm. something special happened at the the second round game, the Colorado game. Coach Smith sets the <laughs> record for most wins. Uh, what was it like? I know he didn't want a lot of attention. 
you could tell that because before he he was he was back in the locker room. I think he had jetted off to to the locker room before anybody could get a hold of him. What was it like? It had to be pretty special to be on that team, though. Yeah, and I think that's the fastest I've ever seen Coach Miller run. So, <laughs> like he really didn't. He really wanted no part of that. Yeah. At the same time, like you have to. And something I'll never forget. This would be a part of him breaking that record of coming all the time with a coach. You know, at that point, so it was. It was special because, you know, I watched him win so many close ones. I watched him lose close ones as I was growing up. But, like I said, to actually get there and be a part of that and being, you know, only 30 minutes from home was – and, I'm, like, it was some of the stuff I can go back and do again, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So, you, you guys end up uh, end up getting a win over Cal. You get a big win over mm-hmm. Louisville. And you end up losing that year in the, in the – uh, uh, to Arizona to the eventual national championship. How yep. disappointing because you guys were in that game at times and just let it get. It seemed like we let it get away. I'm saying we like I'm on that team, but uh, yeah, but that those two like that final four and even the one after that two. I don't know. I, I just I think I have nightmares about it still because the people who were doing you know the things that get us there like Shamar couldn't hit a shot that night. I mean, we like I said, I don't think they were a better team than we were. They just played better. And they had a better got, night. Got going. And, right, they had a better night. But at the same time, I don't know. I just felt like we were a better team at the time. But at the time, they were playing. They were playing really good basketball. I can't remember how many number one seeds they upset on the way. You know, oh, yeah, they had a – win that championship. They had like a, a kind of a Cinderella team because they were number 15 in yeah. the nation at the time. What was it like – We played them the very first game of the year that year. Yeah, because you, you guys ended up losing – losing. You yeah. lost to them by yeah, 11 that – them then too. Yeah. Exactly. But what was it like getting to that Final Four your freshman year? You're like, okay, you know, first year I'm in the Final – win the ACC Tournament Championship and I'm in the Final Four. What was it like getting to that Final Four? What was the atmosphere like with that Final Four? Now, that's something, too, that was special. Just like, you know, you watching open practices and stuff like that on ESPN before I got there and then to actually come out and have, like, 30,000 people just to sit and watch you practice. Yeah. Like, that that stuff was, like, it, that's another thing that's unmatched. Like, going to those big arenas and selling those things out and that, just that atmosphere running on the court for the Final Four. And the, the alumni that we had there, like, I remember one that's running down that tunnel one year. James Worthy was standing there when he was working at CBS. He's giving us all fives on the way out to the tunnel. Like, it, like I don't know. I can't even put that in the words still. I mean, it's been over 20 years. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that was a, a special feeling. So you, you go in your sophomore year, and you like you said, you find out Coach Smith is, is going to retire. Well, what was yeah. what was it like when you guys found out he was going to retire? I'm, I can't imagine. I mean, it was the craziest range of emotions because we had our preseason conditioning runs that we just had our 12-minute run that day. So, normally once you get done with the run, you know, you go back to your dorm. But for some reason, I remember Coach Pat Sullivan coming up to all of us before we left the track. He was like, y'all need to come back to Smith Center real quick. We need to have a, meet, a meeting. So, I mean, I was, it was weird because it never happened before. And just, it, was just, it wasn't normal for us to have any kind of meeting after conditioning like that. So, when we get back, we're in the locker room, like, and Coach Smith was already in there. And he's set us down right where we were watching film at, where we always watch film. And he was just like, you know, I always said if I didn't have the fire, you know, by this time of year, I would walk away. And mm-hmm. I don't think it still was settling into what, you know, what he was saying after, but after a few minutes, it started to sink in to everybody what was going on. And I remember looking over at 
Shamal Williams was the first one because I never forget the way how he how emotional he was. Right. And then, you know, it just starts to flow through the room. He's telling us, you know, what's going on and all that. So like man, it was uh, I mean, it was it was a tough pill to swallow, but at the same time you understood right. how long he had been doing it. And he always told you that too, whenever those last few recruiting classes he I remember him telling me too, he didn't know that he would coach you my entire four years. Right. But at that point, I'm not thinking, you know, he's going to fuck. At the same time, that's one thing about that man. His integrity was unmatched. He never told you a lie. I never heard the man say not one cuss word ever in my life. And, <laughs> and it's just he just would not, just you know, he's just not going to tell you nothing that he didn't believe or, you know, something he couldn't do for you. And that was, and that's why everybody was so emotional the way it was. I mean, I didn't know some guys was going to transfer. And that connection with him was just, it was unmatched, man. Like once that man comes to the house and, you get to play for him, you know, get a year under your belt with him. Like, it's a relationship then. It's the reason why that guy who was born in North Carolina back then at that point was because of him. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, as as a fan on the outside looking in, you always, for me, I know, and I'm sure a lot of Carolina fans felt like, well, he's never going to leave. He's going to be there forever. I mean, you, that's Dean Smith, right. you know. He's just, <laughs> and so when that when that happened, it was, it was a, a shock to everybody. Everybody – probably not as emotional as you guys were, but uh, what a shock it was. But Coach Guthridge, you know, what was it like when Coach Guthridge took over? Because I'm sure it was pretty pretty much kind of the same routine. But was there any 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 big difference with Coach Guthridge when he took over? No. Like, it was just like, you know, you still kept going. Just switch captains is all it was. With. You had somebody who was a co-captain there, you know, as far as running things for 35-plus years. Mm-hmm. And – the biggest difference was Coach Guthrie's role change as far as what he was with the team. So my freshman year, if you ever walk into practice or the office and Coach Guthrie wants to see you, then you know you don't did something wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> Coach Guthrie was, was the principal on the team. He, if you got any problems, any trouble, you have to deal with Coach Guthrie, who was a stickler for the rules, but he also was fair. But like I said, he had that respect too. And you don't see many head coach assistant coaches like that where – Oh no! You know the assistant, the head assistant has that kind of, you know, authority with the team. It's because Coach Smith respected him and also, you know, value his opinion as far as the players. Yeah. So that was the biggest thing. So you didn't have to, you know, go sit in Coach Guthrie's office and know you know there's something wrong. That it was kind of icy. Yeah. So you go, you guys get 34 and four your sophomore year. Let's talk about another one of your teammates, guy that's still playing to this day. Talk about Vince Carter, man. The guy, I, he just won't quit. And I, I, I would have loved to see him in the dunk contest this year, just in case this is his last year. I'd love to see if he could do some of them dunks like he used to do. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Vince. I'm actually on my way back from Atlanta. I went to go watch him play. Oh, really? So, yeah, and we was texting back and forth. But usually, like I said, he, Vince is, it's like, it's only been a few people that I've played with and been right now called Freaks of Nature and Vince definitely one of them. Right? Yeah, he is. He just, I mean, if you want to put together what a basketball player is supposed to look like and the attributes, I'll take Vince Carter any day of the week. That dude was another one that his freshman year wasn't what he wanted to be at UNC. But like I said, he was another one that had that work ethic. He just had that in him that he knew what he could do. He put in, you know, put in the work that he needed to. And I mean, to me, Antoine was our best scorer. But I really think Vince was our overall best player 
me playing those two years with those two guys because eventually just do it from inside, outside. Because mm-hmm. at that point, Twan didn't have the outside game like that. But we used to play Vince at the four sometimes and put Antoine at the five. And I'm telling you, like it was, it was so it was the, it was the mismatches all over the court. But because of that dude, that athlete that he was, and what he brought to the table, it was a mismatch for anybody, bigger or smaller. Like he was just, you couldn't do nothing with DC. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've sit here and watch some of the older games that I have, I still have on tape and, mm-hmm. and transferred over to DVD. And man, the guy just look, looks like a basketball player. Like just like you said, he looks like what a basketball player should look like. And he did it so right. he made it look so easy. Like when he would go up to dunk, and I mean, the only person I can compare it to is Jordan. But he just made yeah. it look so easy when he went up, and. and I mean, gosh, I hated to see them two, them two go go early, but I couldn't blame them. You guys reel off seventeen wins in a row, and then yep. lose a lose an overtime game at Maryland at Coldfield House. But uh, yeah, let's talk about this. But let's talk about playing at some of these places. Of course, Cameron. What were I know Cameron was tough, but what was the toughest place to play besides Cameron Indoor Stadium? I got two. For me, it was, like you said, Coldfield House. Uh-huh. It was definitely a madhouse on any time we were in there. And Reynolds Coliseum at NC State. Like, yes. before they built that bigger arena. When I tell you, Reynolds was, I mean, it was right there. That and Cameron was probably neck and neck. But Reynolds may have been a little louder sometimes. I really think NC State did themselves a disservice as far as building up that bigger <laughs> arena. And they took away from some of their home for the catch because that place, you should be rocking. It had the, the where it measured the sound with the lights. In the, oh yeah, the, the, the noise meter. I remember. Yes, the noise meter. And I I seen that thing lit all the way to the top when we've been in there. Yeah. So I, I really think those two, and like I said, Cameron, you gotta you gotta say that one too. It's just so hot in there, man. It's, oh my god. Yeah, I, I've talked to several uh, NC State basketball players as well, and, and any of them I talk to, I ask them, don't. Don't you think that it would be better if they played a few games in Reynolds, you know, maybe the Carolina game, but I'm like you. I think they lost that home court advantage when they took – and I know basketball, all sports today is more about the business part, putting seats, putting people in right. the seats and stuff like that. But you took away a big home court advantage when you, when you went out of Reynolds. And a lot of the state players feel, from back then especially feel the same way. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. Like I really think they never should, they should have left that place alone because it was mad. Yeah, <laughs> that I place mean, was crazy too. It makes no sense to me, but I, I guess it's all about the money now. Anyway, yeah. you guys go on. You win another ACC tournament. You beat Duke, uh, who you had lost to at Cameron the last uh, game of the regular season. So that had to be kind of sweet. Gave that game away. Yeah, you gave the yeah that I remember that game, uh, but you get a fifteen point win over Duke, and it, I mean you pretty much never left in doubt. But the game, the Maryland game, was was the one that really got me over that weekend because I was I, w- I was I come in late and saw where it went into overtime, and then you guys ended mm-hmm. up pulling ahead in overtime. That atmosphere at that ACC tournament that that had to be great there though. Man, that was that was probably our toughest ACC tournament. Yeah, that second one that we won back to back. But and then of course you know beating Duke in the championship always 
icing on the cake, and you split. We split on the regular season, and then to win that third one and win the championship to beat them was—I mean, that was like a trifecta right there. But it was tough for that year because people knew how good we were after yeah. what we did that first year. So we got everybody's best shot every single night. I don't care where we played. I don't care what they were ranked. I'm talking about it. Was some some games that shouldn't have been dog fights was because you know it was like the other teams national championship trying to beat us at that time. Yeah, I mean, we you were look, just that good. Like you look at the regular season. The regular season game gets at Georgia Tech. You guys go into two overtimes yep. with them. Uh, end up winning one hundred seven to hundred. But you get back to the to the NCAA tournament. You guys. Breeze through. Well, what about this UNC Charlotte game that went into overtime? <laughs> That's another thing that gave us fits for some reason. I don't know why. Every time we played UNC Charlotte, it was a, a dog fight because I think at the time, DeMarco Johnson was their best player, and him and Antoine Jameson were real good friends from Charlotte and played AAU together and all that stuff. And they had really good guards. Um, and wing players, they were, they were pretty big. Like, they really had a real good team. Because I remember some of those guys when I was recruited, you know, because they shared the same coaching staff at that time, too. And I think it was like, you know, they wanted to be in the same conversation with us and Duke and Wake Forest, you know, being the ACC, even though they wasn't. But they were definitely game. Every time we stepped on the court, those guys, it was a dog fight. Yeah, that, that kind of gave us a little uh, little scare there. So you, you guys beat, end up beating Michigan State. I mean, pretty much the next mm-hmm. two games over over top 20 teams that are, are – not close. Uh, you pull ahead of Connecticut, win by 11. But then you get to the Final Four mm-hmm. again, back-to-back Final Fours, and you run into another team, a Utah team, that yes, I, I can, that game frustrated me more than the Arizona game did <clears throat> because I I knew yeah. you that was another team that Carolina was a lot better than and had no business losing to. What I mean, what just another bad night, another time a a team. Like Utah had a better night than Carolina. Yeah, this is one of those things too. And I like, I think the biggest thing that separated them was number one, their point guard was Andre Miller. And I, nobody else didn't realize how he was going to be as good as he turned out yeah. to be. And also, they had a great coach in Rick Majerus who really played with some of our strengths and took it away from us and just making us have to do other things. So, and you know, we some of you know, like I said, some of our better players at the time, Shaman, who was having an unbelievable HB tournament, NCAA tournament, just couldn't make a shot that night. And I feel like we played them ten times, we went out of Right. But, like, you know, sometimes the best team don't always win. That, that's true. That's true. So, you come back for your junior year, and to nobody's mm-hmm. surprise, Jan- Antoine James and Vince Carter leave for the pros. Uh, what was – what? I mean, you guys kind of knew that was coming, I'm sure. Did you, did you guys pretty much know James and Carter were gone right, you know, after the loss to Utah? Um, I, it was a possibility that Antoine could have left the year before, but he ended up staying. But I knew that Antoine was definitely leaving. And I had a pretty good idea that Vince was going to follow through. He just, you know, Vince took a little longer with his decision, but not much longer. But I knew he was going to lose both of those guys as far as not getting it back that next year for my junior year. Yeah, so you, it was a big change in our roster as far as that goes. Yeah, you you guys have uh, big holes filling the roster. You got Okalaja coming back, and you got Brendan Haywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a freshman in Chris Lang. Then Ed Coder's there, but Jason Capel mm-hmm. comes in. Uh, <clears throat> Ronald Curry. 
Um, yep. What What was it like with Adamala Okolaja? I mean, because it's this one of my favorite Carolina players right there. He was he was just a he he played hard. He didn't get a lot of a lot of credit with, with who he was playing behind, but he, he was just one of the hardest working players out there. Yeah, and one thing about Adamola, like you could put him on any position, one through five, and whoever it was was gonna have, you know, gonna have to real struggle trying to score. But he was just so smart, used his feet really well, and Adamola used, you know, his advantages to make him to come to play. He came for us my junior year because we lost so much scoring impact with losing Fess and Antoine, and then losing Shamal and Maxar. So it was a real big difference, and I really stepped up his junior year and had a really good year offense. Yeah. So, I mean, we already knew he was a defender, but the way he played offense his senior year was something I think helped him out the career he had in Europe and all that stuff for so long. Yeah. So, And I asked you about playing at other places, but i got to ask you this, too. What was it, what was it like playing uh, all your home games at Dean Smith Center? <laughs> you know, we have every – Everybody gets a home game, you know, wherever they come. Like, Vince, we played at, who did we play? But don't cook me when we played down there. Like, for Surge, our first year we went to the Netherlands. We played the Italian national team. Like, so every, for me, yeah, it's funny, Coach Gupta just joke about it all the time. He's like, all oh, your home games are home games because I was from South City, North Carolina, which is like 30 minutes from Chapel Hill. Right. So it was always, that was the best feeling, especially knowing like me playing in there my senior year in high school, knowing, and I already knew where I was going. So I was kind of enjoying it because I was like, this is going to be my home for the next four years. So I was just like, I better get used to this. But it was, man, I still love walking in that place. Now, yeah. 20 years later, that it's just nothing else like it. When you walk in there, the first thing you do, I've seen NBA players come in there. Like, you know, every year Larry Brown used to bring his team to, to Chapel Hill to have their training camps. Right. So I see the pace was practice, the 76 is when he had those guys. And I've seen some of them guys come in there and come out of that tunnel, and the first thing they do is look up. They just be in awe. And I'm these guys in the NBA, and they, they're loving how You know what I'm saying? So that right there just put it all in perspective for me with how basketball has yeah, there there was a couple a, a couple years ago. It's probably matter of fact, it's been about this time two years ago that uh, I carried my mom and my dad up to Chapel Hill because to the museum they got up there. Uh, mm-hmm. And let her walk. Let her, of course I walked through too. Took pictures and all that. Then uh, when we came out, I was like, well, I wonder if the dean the dean dome's open. And, and so we walked over there and, and walked in. Nobody was at you know hardly. Well, there was a couple of people in there. We walked around mm-hmm. and, and same thing. I mean, just look up. As soon as you walk in, you just look up mm-hmm. and you see all that all that history up there and all those yeah. great players' jerseys. I mean, you just like. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, even if, like it, even even so, I, and I made the comment that you know, even if you're not a Carolina basketball fan, you need to go to this this museum and check that out because yes. it's, it's it's a part of history. So your junior year, you guys reel off uh, eight in a row. Then you lose to College of Charleston. Uh, yeah, upset another upset there. Just and and then Charlotte comes around again. And y'all had another overtime game with Charlotte. Like you said, y'all had a hard yep. time with Charlotte. But uh, talk about playing playing these Maryland teams. Because Maryland had some good teams when you were there. Yeah. And the thing about Maryland is, 
you knew exactly what they were going on every single time because Gary Williams loved that flex often. So you didn't really, like, the game plan never really changed. It's just the personnel did. So, but like I said, that's another team that just gave us fits. They yeah. always gave us fits because they, like I said, a great coach, great players. They play hard every single possession. And it was just all, that's another one that we had to practice games with those guys. We end up, you know, every single year it seemed like we had another team that was, they bring it every single yeah. time, every single possession. Yeah. And you guys get swept by them in the regular season, but you get revenge on them in the ACC tournament, beat them in the semifinals, and then have a tough loss to Duke in the championship game. Uh, yeah. then, but then you get to, to the NCAA tournament and Weber State, and that's another one I have nightmares about as well. That was that was just a, a bad, bad night for all Carolina fans there. Yeah, that's another one. That's one of those games where you kind of don't take the – the name on the front of the Jersey series because nobody, we we had no idea who they were at that time. Like, we were watching film and, and they were running this one play. Like, they would start Arsenal up under the pass and he'd come up with a kick right about the free throw line and he played one-on-one all night. And then, to get on the court and he he's up on it like that, like, I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> he just wasn't missing. It seemed like every time we had a chance to get back in it, it was like something went wrong. It was like getting in quicksand and trying to struggle to get yeah. out and get worse. But it was the same thing for us that night. Like that was a, I'll never forget that. One. That was one of the really lows of, of my four years. Yeah, and and we we caught it uh, caught it from a lot of the state and Duke fans that year because of because of that. But anyway, you guys go into your senior year. You guys go twenty two no. and fourteen, and then we talk about another one of your teammates, Ed Curdle, probably. If not the best point guard in Carolina history, one of the best point guards in Carolina history. What was it like playing with Ed Cotter? I mean, it's a reason why they call him easy because that's that's how he made the game. Like for <laughs> everybody that was on the floor, like he really made it easy for everybody else because, and mind you, I had to guard this dude every single game practice, but like, even <laughs> in the off season playing pickup because you know he's one of my best friends and we went at it every single day. It was so much fun, but it was like. I tried to count with both my hands top to top. I actually stole the ball from him in those years because I've never seen somebody who could get anywhere on the floor whenever he felt like it at any point in time. Like, he just had that ability and that handle was just one of the best handles I've ever seen on any guard or any level. He was really that good as far as making, making plays. And he was seeing the game two or three possessions ahead of everybody else. He knew exactly where everybody was going to be, where it was supposed to be. And he was like, yeah. You know, two sets out, one in the front and one in the back. He was just that good as, you know, being a playmaker. Yeah, definitely. You you guys kind of struggle struggle through the season. You finish 18-12 and 12 mm-hmm. and lose in the first round of the ACC tournament to Wake Forest. But then you get on a run in the NCAA tournament. What was mm-hmm. – I mean, you beat the number three team, Stanford. You beat Tennessee, who was number yeah. 11. Then you beat Tulsa, who was number 18. What – what was the key to that NCAA tournament run? What was, I mean, did you guys just figure it out, or, or was there? I something? think the biggest thing that happened then was we were we were playing so much inside basketball because we had Brennan where we had Chris Lane, so we we really did have not that you know the other guys, but what really made that team gel was Chris started getting some injuries, and of course we had Julius Peppers at the time, yeah, who was able to fill that void. But more importantly, we started playing more through Ed and Joe Forte. Right. 
So that's what I think was the biggest adjustment that we made. That based on you watch film on that team all year long, we dumped it inside. We had the advantage. So it was to the point of those two guards that we had starting to really make plays because really that's how it was when we won in Maui that year, my senior year. The first three games we played, yeah. Joe and Ed really controlled everything. But like I said, we we added a little bit more punch inside with Julius and a little bit more defense. He could really block shots. You know, Brittany's still all-time career leader in block shots. And, you know, like I said, Ed and Joe really made, made it work between the two of them. And I think that's what made us go on that run because we were just a different team at that time too. We played a little bit more faster than we did. From halfway through the year, we started really slowing down on teams. We felt like, you know, trying to run, we really couldn't score the way we would normally score. So that was the biggest adjustment as far as that run we made my senior year. Yeah, and then you, you guys get to an, another Final Four. Now, you you end up in three three years out of four, your four years, you're in Final Four. So, you, you know, you, yep. you had a pretty – Pretty successful time at Carolina. Uh, then you lose lose to Florida, who goes on losers in the in the national championship game. But uh, what was it? What was it like after that loss when you when you realized you know it's it's over at Carolina? <laughs> I cried like a baby that night. I'm sure. I'm sure. Because you know the, the crazy thing is my mom actually came to that final four. But and I'll tell you a quick story. Like you know, out of the three, that's the only one she came to because the first one was in. Indianapolis, the second one was in San Antonio. So that third one, I was like, you know, this is my last year. I really want you to be there. So, and mind you, she would never get on an airplane in her life. <laughs> so we got to do where they drove up to Indianapolis or something. So she was there. But yeah, losing that night was, was just, I don't know. I'll never forget that one either because I feel like those referees really did us wrong with some of those foul calls they called on Ed in the second half. Like, I know we had like two phantom calls. I remember that. Really changed the game. We were right there, neck to neck, going back and forth with those guys. Right. They went on a little run, you know. But but Nelson had some wild shots that was Ed really couldn't guard him the way he wanted to because he was playing with those four fouls. That's another game I've never watched. Either. I never watched that game not once. Yeah, I, I I watched it one time. I haven't tried to go back and find it or anything there. Mm, but no. so, what did you do after after you graduated from UNC? I went on played a little bit. Minor leagues, half the season over, overseas. Before I just, you know, left it alone. That's about 2003, 2004. And I moved to Greensboro. I've been living in Greensboro ever since. Okay. So what? You know. Go ahead. I'm just, so what are you up to now? I'm in the mental health field now. I've been doing that for about actually February, May, eight years to be doing this. My family owns group homes and stuff like that, so I'm pretty much been in the family business for the last eight years. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a few quick hitting questions, and and then I'm going to let mm-hmm. you go. All right. All right. Toughest toughest opponent to guard that you had to guard what your time at Carolina. Toughest person I had to guard. Yeah. Um, probably two people I'll say was number one was Jay Williams from Duke. All right. And I mean that he was just fast, strong, he shoot it quick, to handle it. He. Pretty much can do it all at that point. And second guy, I'm have to say is Juan Dixon from Maryland. Because oh yeah, Juan was so just lanky and skinny, but mm-hmm. he never stopped moving. And then running that flex, this spring, spring, spring comes. So he was, when I guarded him, I tried to muscle him most of the time. I was stronger, I was bigger than he was. But and when I got on him, I wanted to be proud and not let him get that jump shot off. 
But that dude is another one that just never stopped moving, just working where he's coming at you every single time because well, he's aggressive. And I do, and like I said, running that offense, they run with that flex and all the screens. It's like a body is hitting you every every two seconds, it feel like. So getting running, chasing him around is a little hard. Yeah. <laughs> Toughest guy that guarded you? Um, I'm going to really have to say Jay Williams again. Okay. Okay. Because I feel like, you know, he, he's another one that just – he was just a dog, too, at that time on both ends of the court. He would get up under your pressure. He was strong. He was fast. He was quick. So, I really have to say him, too, um, as far as that goes. Yeah. Favorite favorite memory while you're at Carolina? If there's only if there's more than one, you can whatever, tell me another two or three. Or whatever you want to tell me. My favorite? Well, let me see. My absolute favorite is definitely the... Duke game my sophomore year where they were number one, we were number two. And we oh, yeah. basically blew them out twice. And we was up, I can't remember how many. We, Max Hart ejected, and I think Tracy hits two, three, back-to-back or something like that. They ended up forcing that game in overtime, and we blew them out in overtime. So, like, it was, that game was definitely one of my favorite memories. And, and then just the, the three final fours in four years, man. Like, it's not many guys who played at Chapel Hill that can even say that happened a lot. Of I want to say, I don't even know if it's five or six of us. I know myself, Ed, Pat Sullivan. I can't remember if anybody else did three out of four. Yeah, De- I can't remember. Definitely an accomplishment there because I'll have to look that up. But I don't, yeah. I, it can't be too many. Uh, no, it's not. All right, Miss Newby, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to to talk to me tonight. I've really enjoyed this, man. Uh, I got to get you. I'll get you back on here again. Maybe we'll talk talk about the tournament coming up. I know Carolina's not doing too well. What's your thoughts about Carolina this year? I mean, I just feel like the injury bug and everything else that's bad is, that could happen to this team is that. I mean, I do like the the resilience. They're not giving up. I mean, it's possible they can make a run in the tournament. I just feel like everything that went on, they ain't really had a chance to get no continuity. Like some of the guys ain't even played together a lot, and then I really think some of the teams. We had a, a drop in talent dealing with all the nonsense with the NCAA investigation and and all that stuff that was going on at that time. I think guys were kind of scared to come. They felt like we didn't get the depth penalty or something. Uh, I always felt like that was a witch hunt too, but that's another subject for another time. Well, <laughs> but I really me, feel like that's what the, the biggest problem is with that right now. Let me ask you this too. Do you think, mm-hmm. I mean, because this is, I've watched college basketball for a long, long time, and this year is it's, it's really something different here. Uh, you don't have a dominant team out there. Do you think the one-and-dones are catching up with NCAA basketball now? Because a lot of these mid-majors that are keeping these guys for four years, you see, you're seeing them being up near the top, uh, and, and you're seeing like a team like Duke that has just lost two in a row. Uh, do you mm-hmm. think that, that one-and-done is catching up with NCAA now? It's funny. I say this. I've been saying this all season. I said it's been the hardest year to watch college basketball. I'm like, there's, there's no clear cut, no cut dominant team as far as like most years. You pretty much know who's going to be in the final four. You know, they stay healthy and stuff like that. But I have no idea who's going to be in the final four. Who's going to win it this year? I really don't. And I really think they need to do away with that one and done. You good enough to go? Let them go out of hospital. Let them go. Yeah. Because what it is at 18. 22, you are a totally different player. I don't care what, what level you're playing on. 
Those guys are staying in college longer. Their bodies are maturing. Their games are maturing. They're maturing as a person. And you still drive them food all these days. They're still HBO freshmen. It's still an adjustment to be made. I don't care how good you are, what, how many stars you got on besides your name. Somehow, you're going to have to adjust some high school basketball. Oh, yeah. To Division one basketball. And I think that's the biggest thing in certain. I think it's like the NBA, too. When you get so many players who don't pan out because so many guys want to play together and play on the same team and it hides a lot of weaknesses. So you get guys drafted in the top 15 in the lottery and some of them don't pan out because you don't realize they they were playing with a bunch of good players, so it makes them look good too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I, I just I'm I'm the same way as you all. I feel like this year is going to be tough. Yeah, when I'm doing my bracket this year, I have no idea who I'm going to pick. This bracket is going to be be crazy this year. But uh, you you look at a team like Dayton, a team like Baylor mm-hmm. could end up winning winning the national championship this year. I agree. Yeah. All right, like I said, thank you so much, Mr. Newby, and, and and maybe we'll get you back on here. We'll talk a little bit about the tournament. We'll make our picks for the tournament if you will be willing. I'll be glad to, and I appreciate you, Raph. Thank All you again. All right, thank you again. You have a great night, right. Mr. Newby. All right, you too. Thank All right. you. All right, guys, that's Terrence Newby on the final score.